Let me know if this sounds like you. You're a teacher who's at their wits end, burned out, or maybe you're just stressed to the max. You want to get on the road to burnout recovery, but you don't know what to do, how to get there, or if it's even possible. I hear you and I want to help, but we didn't get into burnout on the same path. So why should recovery be any different? That's why I wanted to share with you a brand new free resource that I have on my website. It's called the Personalized Roadmap to Teacher Burnout Recovery. In this quick, less than five minute quiz, you'll answer questions that will help identify your needs, your strengths, and your weaknesses. Once you've completed it, you will have access to the personalized roadmap to burnout recovery that's going to give you your next best steps to take on your recovery journey, packed with resources and support along the way. Head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash quiz or head over to the link in the show notes. I cannot wait to see your action steps along the way. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, hey, teacher friend, welcome back to episode 42 of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. If you put 100 teachers in a room and you ask them, what would it take to make teaching sustainable? They're all going to give you different answers, but each of their answers could fit into one of the spheres of sustainability. And it either has to do with support, action, or mindset, or like it's a mixture of any of these three. In today's episode, I'm going to bust one of the biggest myths in making teaching sustainable, provide you with a little validation, and then give you a practical method that you can begin today to help you move towards sustainability in your teaching career. This is the second episode in the sustainability series. And so each of these episodes will be a step towards sustainable teaching. So make sure that you're following along with the podcast on your favorite pod player so you'll get alerted when each episode goes live. Now let's get into it. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and discussing hot topics in teacher resilience with other knowledgeable experts so that you can ditch the overwhelm, prevent burnout, and create the life you've been dreaming about. So let's get started, and let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. So I wanted to start out with a story time because you've probably heard the same type of story somewhere in your experience as a teacher. A couple of weeks ago, I went to a professional development in our district for our teacher forum. It was a group of about 30 to 40 teachers who had all once been named teacher of the year, either for their school or for our district. It was a really great time and I absolutely loved the classes that we had. But before we went into the actual development portion, we were put in these breakout groups with the teacher cadets. And for any of you who are not familiar with the teacher cadet program, the primary goal of the program is to encourage academically talented, high achieving high school students with exemplary interpersonal and leadership skills to really consider teaching as a career. And with this group, the teacher cadets were told to ask any questions that they had about teaching to determine if this is really what they want to do as a career. I 
absolutely loved how reflective these future educators were in their questions. They asked some really juicy ones, but they jumped right into asking one of the most important questions they could. And the first two questions were, is it possible to have work-life balance as a teacher? And two, what's the hardest part of teaching? And out of the four teachers, including me in the group, Three of them said, sometimes it takes away from their jobs as parents. The job is never done. One teacher was like, I feel like I never do enough. I get to work early. I leave late, working a 12-hour day, and I just don't ever feel like what I'm doing is enough. And all these other teachers were like, yeah, we just have to do a lot, and it does take up a lot of our personal time, but we knew what we got into when we signed up for this. Or the expectations get harder and harder, and it's not about just teaching these kids, but This is what you do when you sign up to be a teacher. And so if you know me, you know I was like, we are not continuing this narrative for these possible future teachers. We're not going to keep it going where in order to be an effective teacher, you have to do more. And so I had to speak up and I was like, no, I don't believe that the amount of work you do before and after school makes you an effective teacher. And the girl beside me was like, huh? And these teacher cadets, their eyes got huge. They were like, what did she say? And so I just spilled the tea. I was like, I didn't get teacher of the year, the year that I was doing it all. I actually received teacher of the year, the year that I just focused on what was important and what wasn't. You see, I feel like it's really easy to fall into this trap where you're comparing yourself to other educators or you focus on all these things you wish you were doing to support your students. If only you could just do a little bit more to help the kids, then they would all magically be thriving at the optimal level. It creates an impossible trap because the expectations do keep getting raised. And then we move our goalposts for ourselves as well. You're not proving you're great at your job to get ahead or to get a raise as a teacher like it is for other jobs. Like if you do an exceptional job at other jobs, you get a raise, you move up, you become a manager or a CEO. What's different about teaching is the thing that's on the line is your dedication to kids. That's what's on the line. That's what we're trying to prove, that we must be willing to do whatever it takes because we're dedicated to the kids. And that's the line that people will say and that teachers are explicitly fed, that you need to do whatever it takes. They'll say, oh, you can't do a good job if you only work your contractual hours. You hear even in teacher prep programs, you've got to be prepared to work your nights and weekends. And that's just what this job is. So if you're putting your own needs or your family first, then by default, you must not care about kids because that's what this profession is. And you knew what you got into when you signed up for it. And I just don't believe that. Sustainability, as we talked about in episode 41, is a direct correlation to putting your own needs first. Sustainability is meeting our own needs without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. It's not how late you're staying in the building that makes the difference. It's not how early you're getting there or how much work you take home. It's whether you're focused on the things that make the biggest impact for kids. When I said that, I didn't believe that teaching, you know, had to be all of these things. It was a shock to these other teachers. And that conversation, the one teacher was like, well, if I don't do those things, then I'm disappointing my principal, the students, the parents. If I'm not doing those things, it has a negative impact on the kids. And I think that a lot of teachers feel this way. They have a lot of guilt around prioritizing themselves and they've been conditioned 
to people please, conditioned to make other people happy, recognize people's emotional response, keep things, you know, copacetic and calm and peaceful. But there's a ridiculous amount of emotional labor that really goes into that. And setting boundaries, I think, feels like a rejection to that conditioning. I find that the more that I exercise that boundary setting muscle, the easier it becomes. When it comes down to knowing when to say no or what to scale back our workload on, we have to have this self-awareness piece that I focus so heavily on and these practices of reflection. We have to know who we are and what we value and what we stand for. This gets lost in this profession. If you don't have a core set of strong values and teaching and a vision for what you want it to look like, then you're going to fold. You're going to flip to please your administrator, or you're going to flip that way to please the parents and then giving in to kids because they're pushing back on another thing. You can't please everyone all at the same time and yourself. You have to know what is important. And I think the confidence to say no or to push back a little comes from knowing at the center of who you are, that what you are doing is what's best and is making the biggest impact for kids. So I think the biggest key here is really uncovering what those practices are. What are you doing that makes the biggest impact for kids so that you don't feel guilty when you're creating these boundaries? You're not going to say no to those things that are super important. You're going to say no to the rest of the minutia. What I find is that sometimes this isn't something that teachers can do maybe until spring break or summer. That way they have this headspace or this distance from the issues and the problems so they can really be able to think of creative solutions, reprioritize. I don't think it has to be some super structured way, but just like eliminating the noise of it all to really give yourself space to dream and think about what don't you like about teaching? What is draining you? What was super stressful in order to really capture all of that so you can set these boundaries that are authentic to you? And then do the action of what makes the biggest impact for kids. That's why mindset is this equal piece in the sustainability puzzle, because we have to have the confidence and the self-awareness to say, I am doing enough. And in order to have that response locked in to those people who might be saying, you know, no, you need to be doing more. If you haven't sat and reflected on that, then you're not going to have the mindset and the confidence to really advocate for yourself. We spend a lot of time talking about what teachers do. The education system in general will standardize everything if we let it, but we are humans. We're not robots. Each thing is not step one, do this. Step two, do this. The process is really individual. And there's only so much mindset work you can do when you're dealing with systemic issues. If you're super stressed out from teaching, it's not because you don't know what to do. It's because the job is really stressful and they keep putting more on our plates. We're asking more of teachers than is humanly possible to do. The number one problem that teachers will say is that they don't have enough time. So you can change the way that you think about that problem. You can examine your mindset. Like if you have a perfectionistic mindset and how you might be overcomplicating your work, that's really, really important, but that's not always the problem. The problem is that more and more demands are being placed on teachers every single year. The support, the resources, they're not being provided. So it's really up to individual teachers just to figure it out. And previously, I focused on this mindset piece. So you could figure out the mindset shifts that you need to make in order to focus on the sustainable approaches you need as the individual when it comes to your work. What are those individual parts of you who are, you know, 
causing you to make your job unsustainable, really focusing on that self-awareness piece. But I recognize that problem is not all in your head. And we need practical ways, practical action to prioritize tasks like managing email, simplifying assessment, all of those things. And I really feel like teachers shouldn't have to figure that out on their own. They shouldn't have to reinvent the wheel. It's not okay with me that teachers are left to just figure it out on their own. So I want to give teachers these tools to figure it out, but also advocate for systemic changes so that teachers don't have to choose in the first place. So much of the things that consume your time don't really make a big difference for kids anyways. You know, it would be really nice if I could give you this neat, perfectly curated list that just applies to everyone, an all-encompassing list. And some people will try to do that, to just do this and this. But we know that giving that list isn't going to apply to everyone. Teachers will say it all the time, that just doesn't apply to me. If it were that simple, people just wouldn't do those things, right? It's really an individual process, an individual journey. It requires some reflection. So the easiest way to do this is to look at ways Which areas are you going above and beyond what is required without seeing a commiserate impact for the kids? So when it comes down to just grading, for example, if your district requires that you have grades for two graded assignments per week per course, and you're giving assignments every day, you don't have to grade every assignment by hand. So if you're creating these lengthy assignments, huge multiple step projects or grading by hand daily, then you're going above and beyond what's required. It's probably not making that huge of an impact for your kids to grade all that stuff. It's probably pulling you away from the things that do make a big impact. It's probably sucking your energy from being able to focus on the students as humans rather than just seats and chairs. Creating more decision fatigue than what's necessary. You're spending a lot of time grading when we as teachers know that this generation of students really doesn't care about a number. So you can change that habit. Maybe you use gamified, low prep activities to progress monitor things like Blook It, Kahoot, CurryPod, 99Math, where your students are having fun, engaged in the activity, but it grades that assignment for you, automating that process. You're able to see how much of the material they've mastered without sitting at your dinner table every night with your red pen and marking all of it up. Will you sometimes have to find a workaround when it comes to like grading essays and things like that? Yes, but it's amazing what tools are out there like artificial intelligence that can really facilitate some of those tasks in more manageable pieces, which we are definitely going to cover more of on the show in this series. So it's important to really decide in advance, like what's going to be sustainable for you? What exactly is necessary here? The district's just saying two grades per week per course. What actually is going to make sense for you? What's going to make sense for your students, for your families? And then set those boundaries that you're not going to spend that extra time doing it by hand and communicate with your students your grading policy, like which assignments are going to be graded, how that helps you determine what needs to be taught or retaught. This is just one example, but I want you to examine your workload and consider what work are you doing that is making it harder than it needs to be. There's a lot of fear in teaching about messing up or not doing something right or not giving your all to your students, but you can't let that fear that you're not doing enough be your motivator when you're making decisions about how to spend your personal and class time. It cannot be fear-driven where you feel like you have to do all these things. 
Look for things that make the biggest impact for kids and then go 100 in those areas. Then streamline, automate, delegate, and eliminate the rest of it. You see, it's really a balancing act between the three spheres of sustainability, that mindset, that action, that support. And so moving forward in this series, I want to dive deeper into some of those actual tools that will help you simplify that, help you find that flow, help you automate some of those not so important tasks so that you can still check the boxes in order to feel accomplished, but really allow you to take that action and give you that support that maybe you're not getting. Because I believe that if you want to make this career sustainable, you can access these three spheres. It's not impossible. I want you to feel empowered in your decision-making process, where you have the energy, the capacity to advocate for yourself and your students, where you're able to stand up and say, I know what works for kids. I know what makes the biggest impact. I know this curriculum and these kids better than anyone. And these are the things that we need to focus on. And these are the practices that we need to drop. If you're at a place where you're ready to stop working these nights and weekends, get back that 10 to 20 hours of the time that you're spending outside of your contract hours on these tasks, really eliminate these time-wasting tasks get that work-life balance you crave, and simplify your workload, I do invite you to join the waitlist for my upcoming course, Automate Your Classroom, where I'm going to walk you through the step-by-step process on how to really reflect like what's not working, what's working for sustainability in your career, give you some assessments to really determine which components you need to simplify, as well as take you on your personal individualized journey to creating this system that's going to work best for your classroom. From there, I'm going to give you the tools that you can use to develop automations, even if you have no technology background, which is going to allow you to create the system from scratch tailored to your specific needs, giving you that energy, that capacity to do the things in teaching that actually move the needle forward and impact your students and their growth. I'm really excited to offer this because inside there's this comprehensive automation tech vault that will include templates for automated emailing to your parents, to your colleagues, automated grading, co-planning, lesson planning, curriculum mapping, data tracking, progress monitoring, parent communication documentation, Seriously, so much more than that. You can learn more and get on the wait list at teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash automate or classroom. This will also be in the show notes for this episode, which is teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash episode 42. This is only the second episode in the sustainability series. So please make sure you're following the podcast on your favorite pod player so you never miss when a new episode goes live. Thanks again for hanging out with me today. Don't forget, you are a resilient teacher. We're in this together. You've got this. Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tag me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode.